Hello, hello, everybody. Casual Talk Radio returns with another episode of Gentleman's World. Thank you for being a listener. And if you're a new subscriber, thank you for being a subscriber. I told you I'd be back right on the dot on Wednesday as I committed. Things are kind of settled state for now. Uh, next week's expected to be a little bit disruptive. Fortunately, Monday is apparently a holiday, so that'll save me a little bit of it. But then Wednesday, we're back in the groove, and I'll have to see how that goes. I've been assured that we are moving forward, and we're going to clean this thing up, but who knows? Everything's a journey. Let's get the particulars out of the way. CasualTalkRadio.net is the site. Check it out. We've made a change. It's now the new branded site. It has our audio embedded in it now. You can play our audio directly from the site, which I think is pretty cool. We also are working on adding the triad membership. I have a pretty keen sense of what that's going to look like. Um, and I'll have that on the tiers up above. We already have a person who's interested in it. So that's exciting. And we have on the crypto side, two people that are on that have signed up for the membership. Uh, that's great. But we're also spreading the word. We think that largely it's probably the best value in crypto, at least. On the casual side, there's a couple of things I can at least spoil for you. And I'll do that on this today's episode. Then we'll go ahead and get into my internal news. Won't take too long. And then we'll get into our external update, my topic for today. So for casual talk radio, the challenge with creating value is I needed to identify things that I felt were going to be valuable to you. Currently, there's very there's quite a few things that came to mind, and I settled on a couple of them. And I'll just summarize what I came up with. I mentioned this briefly in a past episode, but I'll summarize kind of what I'm thinking, at least for right now. For at least one of the tiers, let's say if you were trying to get into podcasting and you wanted to try to get some assistance with all the nuts and bolts and what it takes and just understand it, and that's the focus, one of the tiers will offer you a consultation. It's like 30 minutes perhaps because it won't take too long to understand all the components then you can make a decision as to what works for you and your budget. This is just to talk about the components, what they do, how to test, how to uh, you know, find a provider. It's just a high-level nuts and bolts of it. One of these tiers will include that consultative directly with me so that you can go and kick the tires on a thing. So that's one. The other is, then this was, I think, pretty cool. I mentioned if, let's say, you were considering ancestry research, for whatever reason, I had somebody that I was talking to and she had a mystery in her distant past and she had a couple of people look at it. She was trying to figure it out. And I, from my analysis, everybody else got it wrong. I understand why it's because of the way the data is parsed, but I was able to help her kind of triangulate that this church was around at the time that this situation happened and when the burial would have occurred. And usually there could be archivists where there are records from the time, like say journals or something else, and this may direct you as to what may have happened. Also, the I talked about the placement of graves could give us an indicator that there could have been something, uh, something spiritual or some sort of a, I don't want to say sect, but some sort of a traditional uh, burial that they did where this one person was the only exception, the only outlier, so it could be an unmarked grave. Things like that where I can help if the data is you know, comprehensive. I can help kind of solve the mystery if there's mysteries in the past, or maybe you just want to know who's all in your ancestry tree or you want to just get started with it. You would have to pay for the membership, but at least it'll help you get started with a 30-minute consultation on I can even build out the initial tree and then give you access and then you can take it from there. 
or if it's just you got the tree and you need help kind of figuring out the results or figuring out, you know, all the different, there's a lot of data, especially when you start getting into like the 30s and the 40s. There's a lot of data, which is good. And then once you start going back in time, the amount of data lowers, which is frustrating. So that's that's part of it. Possibly if you wanted to get into podcasting, help doing that. If you wanted to get into ancestry research, help doing that. I haven't figured out all the other nuts and bolts of them, but those were the two big ones that stood out in my mind. There will be some other things. Those will be launched on the site probably this weekend once I start figure out the remainder things that I want to do as value add. We also have our guests and that's already on the podcast as we do. We don't, we don't record the video for the guests, generally speaking, mostly because if I'm speaking to guests on casual talk, sometimes we'll have, you know, they're ready to go. They're like dressed up and sometimes they're just not. And so we don't want to put them out necessarily Um, down the road, depending if it's a high profile guest, we may have, where the video for those is made available. So, for example, of the ones that we've done so far, I can tell you straight away that, you know, pretty much the only ones I would have, I don't even think I have any of them, actually. I think all of them are going to be audio. Yes, this is true. So, yes, everyone I have is audio only on the casual talk radio side. Crypto talk radio is different because there we, like they're just regular people that we talk to that didn't need to get prepared excessively. It's just we're talking about a project. We're talking about, you know, somebody doing coverage. And so they're already ready to go. Um, it's a little bit different world. So Crypto Talk does have video. Part of this triad membership then is the introduction of bundles. The bundle says that you can subscribe as a bundle to multiple of the shows. And then you would get access to the streams and the exclusives and everything else, including the perks on the other side. So that's going to be part of what I put up there is the bundle that's going to be made available at the same time. And I'm going to introduce that as well to Crypto Talk as people have expressed interest in that as well. So we're building out the triad as our core for basically a community. And what we then will settle on once I've got enough people is to create a true place for us to interact and chat and communicate, probably Discord, although I don't really care for Discord. It seems like the best fit for what I have in my mind. It's just a place for us to go Chat live, talk live, come together, share thoughts and ideas. Um, even if you're, let's say, just on casual talk and you've heard our coverage, that's all you're interested in, it still allows you to kind of collaborate and chat and, and with me live. So all that's coming down the pipe starting this weekend, and it'll take a little while to wrap it up, but that's all starting this weekend. Quick internal news for you. Um, I wrapped up my internal communication with my contact uh, on the next payment. It sounds like it's only going to be the second payment. Uh, That's fine. So the second payment, I'm due when it comes in. I have to start the process for my relocation, finally. I have to find a place up where I'm going. And I'm kind of still holding back because I want to figure out what next week's going to look like. If next week is the same roller coaster ride as what happened the first week, and the second half of last week, then I've got to rethink what that means. I've got to think about, do I pull the trigger and take the risk, knowing that, because the I'm trying not to be too much, divulge too much, but suffice to say that next week is expected to be predominantly the last time that this particular situation is a problem. However, there are other issues that I don't know if they're going to be solved. I was assured that they would be. But without knowing, that's the concern. Like, it's a different world than what I came from before. 
So I don't want to pull the trigger, go out, and then get trapped because I realize I just can't deal with it. I can deal with most anything, but I'm less tolerant of it than I used to be in my younger years. So that's why I'm kind of pushing back a little bit, get some more money in, do the search as I've committed to do, let some time pass, see that there's progress positive in the right direction. And if I see there's right progress with the right people, and there's really just three people I can think of on top of my head. If we get progress with those three, then I'm cool to pull the trigger and go. Like I'm excited about getting out of Nevada. At the same time, I don't want to make the wrong decision. And unfortunately, the commitment is that I go where they are instead of just, you know, you can work remote. And hopefully with the, and I I don't mean this as a positive for them, but for me, hopefully as there is a surge of COVID in their area nearby, their hope is that they'll just say, you know what, just stay remote and don't worry about it. Um, And they'll rethink some of the rules that's requiring me to be there. If that happens, I can go anywhere else to just get out of Nevada and I'd be much easier to do that. So there's a lot still in the air on this one. Will I move? Yes. I still don't know when exactly. I mean, I got other commitments I have to do. And the plan is to get those still done in June. We're still on target for everything that I estimated to um, make everything whole again. Uh, And so that's that. Now, let's get to my topic, which is different than everything I just talked about, by the way. I was, as I was going through all my different stuff that I'm doing, and I'm working on refining my audio, refining my streaming setup, setting up the websites, setting up the the brand, setting up the triad membership, everything that I'm doing. And I realized, thanks to the triad members that we have now, that part of the reason that they sign up is an appreciation for what we do and the style and the delivery and the messaging. And the I, I even had one of them who was the first one just kind of comment, arguably it's the best. It's the best that he's seen in how I'm handling it as a one-man show. So this caused me to think. One thing I, I struggle with in general that I struggle with is I always am my own worst critic. I always want to make sure that it's top-notch. And for this, the podcast I'm recording, you probably feel like the audio sounds pretty darn good. I'm still not satisfied with it. That's a struggle that I have. I'm my own worst critic. And so I know that at some point I'm going to be investing in different hardware because I'm my own worst critic. I also want a certain presentation when I'm on camera and that's hard to do with the hardware I have. Don't have to do it, but I want to do it. And I'm constantly in this internal tug of war between what's good enough and excellence. And one of my guests, go back in the, in the archives, one of my guests talked about this idea of excellence, like being excellent and not settling for a regular. Uh, Joey Chandler, I believe it was. Just the idea of being more, right, and, and not settling. And I, I, I actually even asked him the question, you know, how do you deal with people that have that kind of go-getter attitude and they can't be settled state? you always got to push forward. It's, it's an intriguing topic, though, because... I, I believe, I'm of the belief that you should not just settle on your laurels. You should never tolerate basic. And that's about people, processes, your own situation. I always believe that you should expect the best out of everybody. We tend to be dis- disappointed when it comes time to the, have the conversation with people because we expect certain things, right? You go to a, a fast food restaurant 
and you hand over a 10 and you know in your head how much change you're supposed to get and they either give you less change or more change or you order something very specific and the order's done wrong by the time you get home or you need to get your car done and they miss a thing or the bill's not what they said it was. There's a lack, from my perspective, a lack of attention to detail, attention to quality, and a desire to be superior. I actually just dealt with something else separate, right, where we needed to collect information from people, and this is basic information. This is If this was back in the late 90s, this would be a moot, easy thing to do. In a world where we are inundated with technology, people are distracted on their own design because they want to be, they're distracted, and as a result, there's a lower attention to detail. So they miss obvious, easy things. Then you get into processes and procedures that are tedious, onerous, straight wrong, <laughs> outdated, all sorts of problems that nobody takes the time to make sure that they are correct and current and accurate. Now, I want to tell you a story about that because it ties to, my again, my struggle for wanting to be excellent. In a, in a near past life, so you're talking 2015, I was put in charge of a service. And a service in IT terms simply means that there's something we're providing to the business. doesn't matter what it is. There's something we're providing to the business. And as a owner of the service, it is our task. We are, the, we are the steward. We are the custodian. We are required to make sure it remains healthy, that it has the staff it needs, that we manage the pipeline for work, that we manage support inquiries, that we manage changes, and that we communicate upstream to people above us that when we need something. And the service structure is something I've always been exposed to once I left the loan industry. I was always exposed to some concept of the service structure, but it was never formal. It was always an informal understanding of service. When I went and I worked at this place, there was a they wanted to build a more rigid structure, and I was at the front of it. So I was placed in this role that was not directly supervisory at first. It was more hierarchy. It was you're in charge of the work, you're in charge of the tool, you're in charge of the communications, and then you have people that work with you. And because I'm in charge of the work, you are assigning them tasks and da da da. So for me, I when I started this, here's where things derailed for me. When I was living in I was living in Washington at the time, and as I'm living in Washington, I just bought the house. And the manager had suddenly retired and I had gone to consulting because I was trying to still make some money doing what I was doing. That didn't work out. And then this opportunity comes up in Colorado. So now I have to uproot and go to Colorado to start this new endeavor. Well, I was, I had a faulty assumption about how this was going to work. I assumed that I would simply go out there for the first day or two, get acclimated, understand what we need to do. And then possibly that next weekend, or so, come back and finish wrapping up what I need to do with my house and everything else and get everything cleaned out and everything was all good. And what ended up happening is I, because they had told me that they hadn't started the work yet. They had told me that they were still in the intro phases. They told me I would be involved with the communication and the negotiation and the build. Everything was still in the early phase. When I started day one, and I think it was as a conversation with the manager, when I started day one, they told me, yep, we've already signed a deal and we've already spun up a project. We already got the vendor involved and we've already reached out to the users. Okay, now it's like I got to pump the brakes because I wanted it done right. I didn't want it messed up and then I cleaned it up and I knew the vendor was going to mess it up. I knew that they were so early in it and they wouldn't know what they were getting into. 
and there was a risk that they would take the bad build and move it into this new software. So now my plans have been disrupted. I ended up staying there for a month instead of the, you know, five or whatever days I planned to. I ended up staying there for a month. Well, I, because I had assumed that I would only be there for five days, I had parked my car at the airport at uh, SeaTac, one of the airport parkings near SeaTac anyway, Seattle Airport. And so it's been stuck. It was stuck there for a month. And so the bill's kind of growing like crazy. And it's expensive parking out there because they don't like cars. So after the month, I got them settled down. We realized what we were doing. We created a plan. I got the new person in the system. We set up security. I got aligned with the vendor. I got aligned with the project manager, aligned with the business analyst. I got everybody on the page of what we were going to do. Slowed the brakes a little bit, created a schedule so that I was a little bit more comfortable. It wasn't going to go crazy. But by this point, I've now accrued this major bill with my part, my car. So now I got to go back. Well, unfortunately, due to factors outside of my control, I go back, I get my car, I pay this outrageous bill, must have been like 700 bucks. Get my car and then I'm going to get the stuff out of the house. The problem is that I had planned on five days. Since it took longer, there were issues getting the, the majority of my stuff and I was working on limited time because of other factors, the weather and other things. So I didn't get every single thing out of there that I wanted. I only focused on the critical stuff, which is fine, but I left a lot of stuff there. I left my bed because it was hard to move that bed. It was, it must've been like a hundred pieces to assemble this thing. Really nice bed, but I paid too much for it. And it was hard to assemble, hard to disassemble. Took the guy probably an hour to disassemble it when I moved. And then my side tables, my couch, some of my business paperwork from old businesses, uh, stereo, all this workout equipment, all that stuff I had to just leave behind because I couldn't, there was no way for me to settle the time to get all this stuff packed in the boxes because I'm limited here. Okay, so then I get back and we're working the project and it was a tap dance because we're working with different groups. It's like working with different businesses and in each one, I'm trying to build it to perfection as far as the system because I'm the service owner as well as their solution, because I want to give them the best as far as my sanity and peace of mind and training people who eventually would become my subordinates. So it's this balance, it's a tap dance balance of all these different things, but I want it done right. The initial vendor scoped it at two years. I got it done in one. We had no downtime the entire time I was there. And I was able to create a plan for a security model, create a plan for the service model, create a knowledge base, which they hadn't had at all get the data safely migrated, create a plan for docs that were missed. Like we created this whole clean structure and I was perfectly satisfied with what we had created and where we were going. Then the manager who I, re who I reported to, actually we both reported to, he decided he was going to retire. And this is now the third time that I've had this happen over managers retires. And that's usually the, that's usually the start of me leaving is when a manager retires. Unfortunately has been. So now I'm kind of nervous because I, what we had was perfect. He stayed out of my way. He let me do what I needed to do as long as I reported. If I had any issues, that's the kind of management structure I work best at so I can excel. The new manager comes in. He's now a director, and he's going to be over multiple of us. Well, this person comes from an industrial world. He comes from a world where everybody's on conveyor belts, and everybody's just a number, and there's no specialists, and you don't individually matter. It's all about a group of people doing a thing. And I remember during the interviews, I actually talked to some of my peers off the side and said, I have these concerns either to come in and try to make these changes. Nobody shared these concerns. 
get down the road and this director starts working with the business users and talking to them and trying to understand where are we at and what do we need to do and how do we move this forward? And he's told nightmare stories that I wasn't aware of about the past of IT and how things have been done wrong and how the sentiment had been harmed. This is normal in almost every business. There's always a disconnect between IT and the business because IT is focused on what tools we do have to solve problems. The business is only focused on the problem. So he's hearing all these nightmare stories and it's causing him to create reactions which are faulty because he doesn't understand the service model. The service model is that the tools we have are the tools we have. If we need to change the tools we have, that's fine, as long as we can justify why we do so. We shouldn't just change it because the business saw something in a conference because the tools we have are working for everybody else. So there's no reason we can't make it work here, but the means the business has to live without certain things. That's kind of the synergy. What he was kind to do is say, we don't want to do that. We want to give the business whatever you want, Mr. Customer, which is the old way prior to me arriving that they had been doing it and it didn't work, which is what caused them to move to the service model. So he was kind of regressing us in a direction that was the antithesis of what the CIO was really trying to do. And so I'm seeing this and I had created a new project objective that I felt was going to have significant impacts on at least 300,000 people on people's lives, like people's money, people's lives, people's happiness, the staffing, everything would have been positively impacted by what I was proposing. He took it and with his new vision, he created basically a broken process that said, you know, whatever the customer wants, that we're, what we're going to create. And I said, that's not the way my service works. They can't have anything they ask for. It. They say, here's our problem. I'll tell them what I can give them. If they don't like it, we call in another service to do custom code, but they understand it's more expensive. It's a negotiation. You don't just give them what they want. You choose A or B, and depending on what it is, either the bill's going to be high or you just deal and you deal with it, or the bill's lower, but you get what you need without worrying about what you want. And he wasn't, he didn't like either choice. He wanted to do both in one service because he felt it was cheaper. The result is that we ended up significantly over budget multiple times. And then they're asking me why, and I'm telling them because you're doing it wrong. As I told you, I'm the service owner here. I have almost 17 years experience in this. You have zero. You shouldn't be telling me how I run the service. That's not how service ownership works. So it was this tug of war and I knew it wasn't going to work. The challenge is my people are starting to be affected because now he is getting in my way as a supervisor and saying, I need to, we need to hire more people to take, because multiple people should just develop it. Because he's thinking in a custom code world. In a custom code world, you'd have two or three developers and each one works on a part of the code and then you deploy a build and then you deploy. This service doesn't work that way. Each individual developer has to work a certain segment of it, period. The way that you simplify this is the business cannot tell us what to create. They tell us what they need. And then we know what it takes to do that to minimize cost. And there's still one person in play. There are some parts where you can compartmentalize. It's not recommended because ultimately one person can be slower than the other. These are people that have only been doing it for two years. I've been doing it 17. They're going to slow down the project, which is what we saw. He wasn't accepting this in his mind because he's thinking code. Nope, you should be able to ramp up in six months and everybody can do exactly what you can do, which is unrealistic. If you have somebody who is an expert at their craft, has been doing it for decades, they cannot make somebody an expert in two years. It's not going to happen. These are decades of experience. You can get them to a point, which I did. But at the same time, we have other work that's out there. This one that you like isn't the only work that we have on the table. That's where prioritization comes into play. One of the groups had a significantly high priority because of the nature of the group. It's dealing with criminal justice stuff. 
Well, the problem is I'm the only one who can do it because I'm the only one certified and I'm a supervisor from an authority perspective. There are certain records you're not entitled to see. So I have to do that work. It just so happens that I'm the expert as well. So I'm trying to explain to the director, you've got to make a choice here because I technically should do this because I'm the only one qualified. This one I have to do because of my role. And then when we did a human resources, I'm a supervisor. So you can't have the low-level person who might have submitted some sort of inquiry uh, as a complaint on somebody else seeing their own records. It's not, you know, so he wasn't accepting this in his mind because he's thinking code. Nope, this is what you do. And I realized I wasn't going to change his mind. It wasn't going to work. But I, again, I'm striving for excellence. I know what I need to do and I know how to do it the best. Why? Because I've done it for 17 years at that point. And I know I can do it better than anybody else there times 10. And I've already solved these problems. But if they're not going to let me do it, now I'm a, a barrier. I'm a barrier to progress. And I didn't want to be a barrier to progress. So I told him directly, I need this to change. We've got to get back to the fundamentals I started with. If we don't, I will leave. He laughed at me. At that point, I knew I was going to be out of there because you're not understanding what I'm telling you and you don't believe me when I'm telling you this. So I submit my notice and I gave three weeks so I could update our knowledge base, tell my people who weren't happy, by the way, and make sure everybody was in a good spot to take it going forward, knowing that I'm leaving them in a tough spot because this is very advanced work. But I told everybody, including my peers, I don't want to leave. It's the last, it's the last resort. I have no choice. I'm being forced out because I'm not allowed to do what I need to do to stop what they're complaining about. If they don't like it, they've got to let me do it. They keep thinking they can tell me what to do. I know it's wrong. So now I'm not giving the best. If I'm not giving the best, I'm not satisfied. If I'm not satisfied at what I do, there's no reason for me to be here because I'm always going to be dissatisfied with the end product. If I'm dissatisfied with the end product, to me, that's not acceptable. So I chose to leave and give the notice. He wasn't very happy. And I told HR, I even purposely BCC'd HR because I was concerned he would not submit my resignation letter in its original integrity. And I want to make sure it was clear. The only reason I'm leaving is because of him, because he's not letting me do my job. And whoever you get in this chair after me, you're going to need to make sure that they're able to do their job. You got to let them do their job. That's you, you don't hire people to tell them what to do. You hire people for their experience. And that's not understood. So, I, again, it, it, I wouldn't say it was a terrible disconnect because, again, I had enough time, but there was a lot of disruption with that person. Even on my way out, as I was trying to do knowledge transfer, he kept pulling me on what he wanted. And in hindsight, I should have said no. But I was trying to be a good steward. At the same time, trying to make sure my, my two people were in good a good spot. And I don't think I left them in a good spot because I was being pulled. And then knowledge transfer to the best technical person next to me who wasn't really aware of what to do but at least could put some structure around it. And then they tried to hire a consultant, and I believe he wasn't able to finish a lot of the stuff. One of the people that reported me, uh, he took one of the major projects I was doing, which is actually a good project, and he was able to finish it because I left it in a good state uh, as my last task. So I, I felt bad because, again, it was more about this is what I need to do, and I need to make sure I'm giving excellence. Period, point blank, I'm not going to accept less than the best of what I deliver because there's no reason to for me. And then somebody else comes and they don't understand that I'm shooting for excellence and you can't understand it because this is a service or a tool or a technology or a platform that you don't know. So you've got to trust the expert to get you to excellence. What you should do then is test me as my superior 
Test me that my customers are happy. And as long as my customers are at the end of the day, at the end of the day, satisfied with what I delivered, it may not be 100% what they thought they wanted, but as long as it meets their needs 100%, who cares about how I got it there? That's always been the mantra. And as a result, I've settled on that for every single opportunity that I've had. And I've had to make some hard decisions to leave organizations because they weren't in concert with that theory. Later, as I'm, you know, talking to a different company, like on the consulting side, or if I interview on the full, full side, I say, this is how I work. It's got to be value add. I've got to be adding value. If I don't add value, I'm out of here. This is what it is. So I said, okay, if I can get what I want and we can work together and you let me do my job, I'm not going anywhere because I like adding value, but I also like excellence. I like the best I can give. Because if I'm not giving the best, I'm not satisfied with the end result. And to me, I think as a society, we've lost the desire for people to be excellent. We lost the desire to be the for people to be the best that they are. As and I see, and when I go to companies, that there are people that do maybe thirty percent of their capacity, thirty percent of their potential. It, for me, it's not acceptable, and so I get frustrated very easy, frankly, with less than excellence. And I accept that as my as my cross to bear, quote unquote, because I know not everybody thinks the way I do. And this doesn't to say that you stress yourself out. This is to say that you want the best of what you can give, that you're not settling for just the basic. You're giving the best you can. If you're asked to put a document together for somebody, you are doing spell checks, you're doing grammar checks, you're using the tools that are already there and there's at least 50 of them to make sure that the quality of what you gave is top notch. If you need to contact somebody, you're thinking through whether or not it makes sense to get on the phone and just talk it out because you know it's a winded conversation versus an email because you know they need to digest it later versus that text message because it's a quick blip that doesn't require a response. When you're about to take picture of photos, right, what would you do? You're, you're ideally fixing yourself up at least somewhat so that you're somewhat presentable on the photo. It's the same concept, but I don't see it in the workplace like you would see on the personal side. And I just like to see it in all points. We always strive for the best of ourselves and we can, but I think that technology has caused us to become lazy and not want to do it. And I understand when you're in the privacy of your own home and you're just watching TV, what do you need to do? Nothing. But if you're presenting to somebody, if you're delivering to somebody, if you're performing for somebody to me, I would never settle for anything less than the best. And that's just me. And I speak for nobody else. I'm just sharing that thought. I'll wrap up with another note because we do have a number of new subscribers. And I want to make sure I repeat this on episodes. Currently, Casual Talk Radio is on a guest hiatus, which means that we are actively not seeking guests. We have a, a screener and we've indicated on the screener that we're not soliciting guests at this time. The guest cadence is scheduled to restart sometime around mid-June at this point. So if you're interested in the guest-based episodes, we will turn the screener back on mid-June. And then at that point, it'll take a little bit more time for the guests to start flowing back in. We actually had some outreaches from some people that were interested in being guests on the show. And so we can reach out back to them. So for this short period, bear with us. It's just going to be me. And that's fine because I always got something to talk about. But our guest cadence will restart mid-June. And the reason that we did the hiatus was only because of our new endeavor. Because our new endeavor was messing up with our scheduling. It still is. So I, I didn't want to reschedule any guests or put them out or somehow inconvenience them. I wanted to have it where it was a clean scheduling process as much as possible so that we can move it forward. 
uh, more efficiently in the new uh, Casual Talk Radio. So keep if you're interested in the guest episodes, your calendar should be set for mid-June, sometime around the week of the 13th-ish. Somewhere around there, we'll start up with the we'll start the screener up again, and then the screener will take a little bit of time for the um, the screens to come in, and then we review them, and then we get them booked, and then they'll upload, and we'll let you know when they'll start up again. But mid June is when we will start that again, and I just wanted to give you that update because we have been on the hiatus for a couple of weeks, and that should, of course, contingent on my endeavor, we should be back on track mid June. In the meantime, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for being a subscriber if you are. I want to thank you for being a listener if you're not a subscriber. I know you got choices, and I appreciate you choosing Casual Talk Radio. There's a lot in store. Casual Talk Radio was the first. It won't be the last, and it's still near and dear to me, and it's growing steadily, and I appreciate everybody that's new uh, to finding us on various platforms. We are on every platform, so if you have anybody that thinks they would benefit from inspirational talk, educational talk, any of these kinds of talks, like I'm an open topic kind of person. And I fancy that if you think Ben Shapiro's got something, but it's just hard to figure out what the heck he's saying sometimes, that's kind of where I am. So anyway, I will check in with you guys. Looks like it's next week at this point on Monday for our next episode. And I'll have another fresh topic for you and your ears. In the meantime, have a happy Memorial Day because it sounds like that's going to be happening on uh, Monday. Have a happy Memorial Day holiday and stay safe as best you can. I know it's rough out there. I think we'll get into some better state here soon, but hopefully. Uh, But stay safe, stay calm, and enjoy life as much as you can. And I will be back with you Monday. I'll be back recording Monday, even if you're not on. So you will get an update on Monday and a new episode, even though everybody else is out there barbecuing. See ya.